0: as you've likely been made aware of at this point, the Thunderdome era is now officially over. What does that mean for the land of black and gold over on Tuesday nights? Well, nothing. Nope, we're still stuck in the CWC, we've still got all these crazy LED lights all around, we've got a few people in there now, which is quite good, but for the most part, we're still stuck in the Performance Center. But take your minds away from that just for a second, because one week after we had a great American bash pay-per-view type thing in the midweek, we've got an NXT championship main event on this week's NXT, we've been spoiled. But on top of this, we also had a few new feuds emerging, new champions were about to start forging their legacies, and a main roster star came back to NXT, it's almost like they don't like wrestling the same match over and over again for 200 weeks in a row. But I'm going to stop jabbering, there's some NXT to start upping and downing, I'm Gareth from What Culture Wrestling, and these are the ups and downs for this week's NXT So I'm not sure we have done this yet on NXT, but we're going to start this week's show with an up, but not just any up. It's going to be a yellow highlighter of the week up for Ember Moon versus Dakota Kai. It was hard hitting, it was energetic, it was full of passion and drama. I loved it. Because straight away, there was the added narrative coming into this of the fact that Shotzi Blackheart is now a member of SmackDown. She's left NXT. She's just gone and teamed up with Tegan Knox. because apparently Ember Moon just wasn't doing it for her. And this also might mean that Ember Moon starts getting a bit more of a spotlight shone on her as a singles performer. Obviously, she had that NXT Women's Championship match a few weeks ago. But judging on this match, she's just about to rediscover the form of old. And I don't say that lightly because Ember Moon was like flipping out of arm drags here. She was doing insane things in the ring. It just felt like watching her back in a heyday of NXT, she's just starting to rediscover the mojo again. But Dakota Kai also had a thing or two to prove here because she possesses kicks okay she has these kicks that do more damage than a bulldozer she pump kick she scorpion kick she knees that's not a kick but it's something with the leg she does a lot of things with the feet that are very dangerous but in all honesty it did seem like ember moon was just gonna have maybe a little bit too much for her because she did like an insane suicide dive to the outside where she just went at of like a bullet and then a super hurricane runner off the top rope it was insane stuff there were near falls everywhere i really thought ember moon was going to come away with it but then raquel gonzalez was at ringside she didn't specifically get involved. She didn't grab her. She didn't hit her or anything like that, but she was there. She was a presence. It distracted Moon. Moon was then caught with the GTK off the top rope, which looked magnificent. That ended up with her on the floor. She got pinned by the Kodakai, and she was the winner. She did it. She beat Ember Moon, so that's a huge big scalp, but she was very quickly overshadowed. Because before she could really relish the fact that she'd won, Zaya Lee just popped up, and she was like, you, Raquel Gonzalez, I want your belt. I want a match. We're going to have that. It's now going to be next week, we've found out. So, yeah, you had Dakota Kai stood there like I, I just I just beat a former NXT women's champion, and you guys, you're just more interested in your old big shiny belt. We then jumped backstage and Malcolm Bivins was talking about the fact that the Diamond Mind, he said this on YouTube earlier in the day, their open challenge was back open for business. And who? Who wanted to take them up on this challenge? None other than Bobby Fish. But he specifically wanted Roderick Strong. He was like, Me and you, we've got history, all the undisputed era, I want to batter you because of what happened there. But Mark Bivens was like, Nope, bad idea, you're going to beat up my boy, I don't want that. So we're going to give you Tyler Rust instead. And seriously, I just really enjoyed the things that came next because we had and doing like a promo package vid thing to, to highlight and promote the fact that he had this breakout tournament match later on in the night. And he's just a ball of energy and charisma and his blazer and he's just so happy to be there. He's my spirit animal, Gojiro. And look, we're going to bring this all together under one little blanket. It is the Cameron Grimes butler stuff that went down with LA Night. We knew it was coming. We were excited about it. It happened throughout the night, but we're just going to cram it all together here because it's my show Why the hell not? And it's all obviously going to get in up because it was just so damn entertaining. I was smiling. I was grinning ear to ear all the way through this. It was great. First of all, Cameron Grimes showed up late because, yes, he's going to do the job, but he'll do it on his own time, damn it. And then when he got into LA Knight's just house, his abode, he then got groomed. He got trimmed up, had his beard all trimmed up nice, had his hair scraped back, so he was looking very sharp. And you thought Cameron Grimes was going to go full Daniel Bryan, like with Vince McMahon here, and be like, no, this is not what I want. But he loved it. He thought he looked great and I thought he looked great too. After this, L.A. Knight was like, right, the first thing you're going to do today is mow my lawn. He tried to get on this big tractor contraption thing to do it, and L.A. Knight was like, nope, not giving you the keys to that, so you're going to have a little hand lawnmower instead, but he just, it didn't dampen his spirits. He was like, yep, I will do that. Cameron Grimes will mow your lawn with his teeth. I don't think he did that though. Actually, I know for certain he didn't do that because later on in the night, it was revealed that Cameron Grimes, as he was sat by the pool in LA Knight's gaff, he was sat there with his little shorts on and the white butler gloves that he refused to take off. And he said, well, I delegated really. I'm still a millionaire. I'm a butler, but I'm a millionaire butler. So I I made a kid go and do it for $500. And the kid did a pretty good job by the sounds of it. Obviously, this peed off LA Knight. He started squabbling with the kid. He was like, get out of my house, you are uninvited. And then he tripped, fell into the pool because of Cameron Grimes trying to sweep up some money, it was a whole thing, it was a big fiasco, but I really like where this is going because they've not just fallen into the straight up trope of Cameron Grimes being this really sad butler who just wants to be the million dollar legacy holder and all that stuff, he didn't do that, instead he just owned the fact that he was a butler and he was a millionaire butler, so he was going to do things a little bit different and he still made LA Knight look like an absolute idiot, so what's not to like? The aforementioned Bobby Fish and Tyler Rush showdown was after this and that as well is going to get it up, it's going great for now because it was your typical veterans taking on rising up-and-comer potential diamond, but is currently Rust, that's the narrative we're going to go here, that's what happened, Bobby Fish was kicking the crap out of Tyler Rust, but then he got him on the ground, he was grappling him, he gave out his own kicks, it was all going pretty well, I'd say, for Bobby Fish, but then, Roderick Strong just could not leave well enough alone, could he? Because he got up on the apron, he started trying to distract Bobby Fish, and Bobby Fish was like looking behind him going, I know these tactics, this is what we used to do in the Undisputed Era, and he seemed to be doing pretty well. And then he, he got distracted for too long, Tyler Rust hit him in the knee, fell down to the floor, and then he looked to do a buzzsaw kick to the back of the head. And that was the first of a few Tajiri references on the night, but this was enough to seal the deal. He pinned Bobby Fish in the middle of the ring, and, well, the Diamond Man are looking pretty damn dominant. But after this, before the Diamond mine, cause then jumped Bobby Fish, because that looks like that was on the horizon for him, Kashida popped up. He ran down to the ring. The Cruiserweight Champion was like, Nope, you did this to me. You're not doing it to him. And the two men scared off the four men didn't quite work out in my brain that, but the Diamond Mine lived to fight another day, as do Bobby Fish and Kushida, and it's been made official, there's going to be a tag match between the two teams next week, Bobby Fish and Kushida both need friends I'm so for this Look, to be honest, I enjoyed a lot of NXT this week and more specifically, it was just Samoa Joe being a ref, which was one of my highlights of the week, it wasn't the yellow highlight, we've already done that, but it was one of them and he went backstage here and like, confronted Karrion Cross, who was beating the absolute hell out of a big boxing bag he was kicking it, he was punching it, and he started giving him The whole ref pre fight spiel that you see in boxing, you see in UFC, where he's just like, here's what you can do, here's what you can't do. And Karrion Cross just completely ignored him. So Joe, very annoyed and angry, got in his face and he was like, yo, dude, I'm going to kick your ass if you don't listen. And Cross was like, if you cost me this match, if you do this, if you cost me this match tonight, I'm going to whoop your ass back. We then jumped to a thing of The Way arriving earlier on in the night and Johnny Gargano was obviously pumped up for his big NXT championship match later on. But then we saw Beth Phoenix just have a little conversation with Indy Hartwell about... Dexter Loomis. She was like, "What's going on? What's going on with Dexter?" And she was like, "Oh, you know, nothing really happened. I wanted it to. He wanted it to, but nothing happened." And I started falling asleep, and my head hit my laptop, and I was like, "Okay, we're still watching NXT. Let's move on." Sareh so was back in action on this week's NXT, and she was not taking on Tony Storm because that was seemingly being teased over the last couple of weeks. But Tony Storm has now suddenly been moved to SmackDown, and it just it does scream of perhaps WWE just going, "Oh, we've got a paper thin roster on SmackDown. We need all the really good NXT women." So they've done that. They've taken away, so instead of that, we have Gigi Dolan in her first ever NXT singles match, it was a singles debut last night, against Sarray. And how did she get on? Well, the match itself is getting it up, which is pretty good. But as we've now known for quite some time, Siree may look very innocent and very sweet and very nice, but when she gets in between those ropes, my goodness, she's a badass. Like, there was a point in this match where she just did this, like, spinning, what was looking like an arm drag, but it fell into, like, a sideways DDT, and I thought Gigi Dolan's face was gonna fall off. Then, out of nowhere, Mandy Rose popped up from Monday Night Raw. She was just like, oh, I like NXT. It's a lot nicer than Monday Night Raw. I have loads of weird LED faces staring at us. I might stick around for a little bit. And then after all the roll-ups and a wicked STO from Gigi Dolan it got to the point where she was like hanging on the bottom rope and you kind of knew what was coming Saray hit that baseball dropkick thing that she does and every time that happens I feel like someone's jaw is going to drop straight into the brain I don't know how that's possible but it looks like it is when Saray does the drop kick She then hit her violent suplex after this, so now the Warrior of the Sun is still undefeated in NXT. She won the match, but then Mandy Rose just walked off backstage. She did show up later on in the night, but there's no real clear message as to what she is trying to achieve on NXT. Why is she here? Is she trying to scout people to go to Raw? If that's the case, keep Saray away from Raw, don't you dare. Santos Escobar and the Galo del Fantasma were backstage after this, and they were talking about luck. They said that Bronson Reed was a lucky man. He said that Isaiah Swerve Scott was an unlucky man, because at this current moment in time, he's holding the NXT North American Championship, which is what Santos Escobar wants, but he's not focused on that, he's focused on Dexter Lumis, who's a loser, unlucky, and he's going to get beaten up. To be honest, sometimes if you've not got anything nice to say, just don't say it at all. In response to Ikimanjiro's promo package hyping him up for the breakout tournament match he's got against Duke Hudson later on in the night, Duke Hudson has his version of this, and he was just coming across as a really cocky, smarmy, big, muscly heel. I want to see him get beaten up, and that is what we want out of this character, I believe, so success. And then we had Dexter Loomis against Santos Escobar, and I'm sorry, I know you think I've got some weird vendetta against Dexter Loomis. I actually really like him. I think he's a talented performer when he gets in between the ropes, but this end. This ending of the match and just what it means for NXT just as a whole, it's got to get it down. Because again, the actual chemistry between these two, it surprised me. I thought it was really good. You had a really violent, methodical approach from Santos Escobar, who was just trying to break down and break the spirit of Dexter Lumis, even though he doesn't tend to show much spirit. He tried to do that, and then Dexter Lumis kept having these weird, creepy comebacks where he kept crawling at people and then flying around the ring, did like a fez press. He looked really good in the match, but it's the way the match ended that just really annoyed me. Because obviously Dexter Lumis was out Numbered by Legado and in the end Legado got involved they distracted him they whacked him into a ring post and then he got hit by a phantom driver so Santos Escobar won and I'm not saying he shouldn't have won he was definitely the person in this mix that needed the win right now because you can just blame Dexter Lumis' losses and loss of form on the fact that he's a love six puppy but why didn't we just do it clean why is this numbers game thing just infecting all of NXT on this show alone at this point in the show three out of four of the matches have been decided because of the numbers game distractions because the the numbers and the fact there's more people around the ring. It's just, after a while, it gets a bit stale. Oh yeah, and then after this, Indy Hartwell tried to pick Dexter Loomis up and carry him back down the ring because, you know, that's what he did for her a week before. And it was like, ah, oh, it's really cute because she stumbled and they were going to kiss. And then Candice the Ray was me in this situation, she just dragged him apart and said, stop it, stop it. We don't like love on this show. <laughs> That's a lie. I love love. Oh yeah, and another thing, Hit Row just showed up and started squaring up to Legado after this, and that was it. They just started bickering. They didn't throw down. They didn't start fighting. It was just like, oh, okay, you two teams don't like each other, but you're just going to politely let the other one walk past. It was a bit weird. I thought the brawl's not happening in NXT anymore because of Samoa Joe, and I was proved wrong when it comes to that later on in the night. Kyle Riley had a quick backstage interview with Wade Barrett, and he pretty much just summed up that the whole thing with him and Adam Cole is not over, so it's gonna get down because it should be over. The match itself, like I said, at the Great American Bash, it was great. Good old match. Just leave it there for quite some time now. If you want to revisit this in a couple months' time, great, but at this moment in time, we're done, we're finished, my brain hurts. Stop it. Then we did have that first round of the NXT breakout tournament. It was Duke Hudson taking on Ikaman Jiro. It gets enough because this thing, this whole little bubble, did exactly what it needed to do. It showcased, it shone the beautiful spotlight on both men. I feel like I really enjoy both characters. I can't wait to see where they go next, but only one person could win on this night. And even though I really wanted my spirit animal Jiro to come away with the win, he did like a headstand on top of the turnbuckle and a springboard moonsault and he did a tarantula. That was the other Tajiri reference in the night. He was just looking really good. He wasn't able to come away with the win because Duke Hudson hit a boss bomb, boss slam, whatever it was, out of nowhere, picked up the victory. Wade Barrett was over the moon because they kept drawing comparisons to Wade Barrett all night. He was like, yeah, that's why he should go all the way. And I was like, yep, listen to Barrett. He knows his stuff. Only Lorcan and Pete Dunne were backstage after this and they were just talking about the fact that they didn't really care about who won in the NXT Championship match later on in the night because Pete Dunne could beat both of them with his eyes closed, hands behind his back and his ankles tied together. He didn't say that much, but he said he was the best technical wrestler in all of NXT, which obviously was always going to anger one man in particular, Toothless Timmy, my brother, my man. He walked into the frame and he was like, oh, so are you the best? Fighter, wrestler, or you're the best technical guy in NXT. Make your mind up. And then out of nowhere, Tommaso Ciampa just dived at Pete Dunne. They started fighting and battling. They all just devolved into chaos. So we're allowed brawls in NXT, just not when it should be in the moment where it'd be most compelling. It was just confusing. Women's tag team action was on the horizon after this. We had Casey Catanzaro and Caden Carter taking on the Robert Stone brands, Aaliyah and Jessica Mayer. And this match was fine. It was a good little match. I mean, the right people won in the end, and we'll get to that. It gets an up for that reason, but the up is heightened. It is enhanced because of all the stuff that happened after it. And to cut a long story short, you had Aaliyah and Jessica Mayer being really competitive and just holding Casey Catanzaro in their corner of the ring for quite some time. It was a really good showing from them as a unit. But in the end, Catanzaro and Carter were able to seal the deal with their netbreaker 450 splash thing and it was just, it was magnificently well done but Aaliyah was very annoyed because Robert Stone early on in the night had like tried to give her a shoe to use and to utilise in the middle of the match it didn't go very right for them it failed in the end so she was annoyed. Cute Aaliyah finally snapping and just going mad on Robert Stone, beating him up, pulling him in the middle of the ring. And the fans loved it. They lapped it up. They were saying, one more time, kick him. And she kept kicking him. She kept doing it one more time. They were singing, you deserve it. Which I kind of guess she does, really. Now is the time to give Aaliyah a bit of a, a bit of a nudge in the singles route, the singles lane, give her a bit of a, a shot down that path. And then Frankie Monet came out after this. And she seemed to align herself with Jessica Mayer, and Robert Stone so that's a very interesting dynamic as well does Robert Stone suddenly drop down the ranks and does he become the butler type figure of that group that could be something Mandy Rose was like oh she bumped into them later on in the night I should add she was like oh right this team now seems to have a new leader and if Frankie Minet is said leader it could be big things for Jessica Mayer I like where this is going Samoa Joe then gave his referee speech to Johnny Gargano and we're gonna bring that Gargano meter up for the fact that Johnny Gargano is Samoa Joe's biggest fan and him and Austin Theory were shouting Joe! 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 Joe that's going to get a 79% on the Gargano meter, And they were trying to get him to wear a The Way t-shirt. It did not happen. Then Joe had a stare down with Pete Dunne again. And he went, right, guys, you know what needs to happen? You two, you just need to talk. You might have more in common than you think. If you just keep staring at each other, you're going to go nowhere. Adam Cole then took to the ring. And he was in the best moods because he told you so. He told you he was going to be better than Kyle O'Reilly. He told you he's better than everyone else in NXT. He's the golden boy. He's the best. He proved that at the Great American Bash. So he then turned his attention, thank the Lord, to Samoa Joe, he was like, right, you are a coward. You keep jumping me from behind, you've choked me, you've watched me as my knee popped out. You're just a nasty human being. And to be honest, you, like everyone else in the NXT roster, is too scared to confront me. Cue a big old Bronson Reed. I love this because Bronson Reed just got down to the ring. He was like, right, I love your confidence, Cole, but you've not come up against a guy like me who's got nothing to lose. You may be the golden boy, but you're my golden opportunity. And as he said that, Adam Cole went for a super kick. He got caught, smashed into smithereens by Bronson Reed, and I just want to see this match so badly. I want to see him get tsunami splashed. I want to see him get thrown around the ring and if the Gargano match that Bronson Reed just had a couple of weeks ago is anything to go by, this could be rather spectacular. It may even be a sleeper hit of 2021. But cutting through the tension like a big Samoa Knife Samoa Joe's music hit, he stared a hole through Adam Cole's brain, got into the squared circle because the NXT Championship match was upon us but all the Adam Cole stuff is going to get a big old up because I can't wait to see that feud going forward. Ah, we need to talk about this main event, because like I said, it was the MAIN EVENT of the evening, Johnny Gargano taking on Karrion Cross for the NXT Championship. This match, everything within it and everything that happened at the end of it, it's getting a big massive up. Straight away, before they even touched each other, Johnny Wrestling chants were drowning Karrion Cross, and he was smirking. He was like, yeah, this is great. You all love Johnny, and I'm going to murder him. But Johnny was having none of that. He just dived at Karrion Cross, literally before the bell had even rang, and I was like, go, Johnny, kick his ass. But he couldn't kick his ass because he got Saito suplexed at about 10 seconds flat. But again, something about Karrion Cross just brings out the old-school Johnny Wrestling fiery underdog character. He just does it. Every time that he gets beaten down, he builds himself back up. He does sent ons off the apron. He did his slingshot spear. He was running super kicks. He just kept trying to super kick his head off, but it didn't work because Carrion Cross is a monster. And it got to the point where Carrion Cross had Johnny Gargano in like his cross jacket. He got reversed into a Gargano escape, then back into a cross jacket, and Johnny managed to cling onto the ropes. But Carrion Cross would not break. So Joe got involved, and he put his hands on Mr. Cross. Bad times were coming. They continued to bicker, and Cross continued to just <laughs> batter Johnny Gargano on the outside of the ring. And then he went to hit him with some steel steps but Joe was having none of that, grabbed his steps, threw him to the ground, they were squaring up to each other again, and then Johnny just dived on them both, because he's Johnny Gargano, he does what he wants. A one final beat later, it looked like he'd finally done it and Johnny was going to climb to the top of the mountain once again, but Cross kicked out, he's a monster, he hits him with three power bombs, into a Saito suplex and a forearm to the back of the head, Cross has retained his NXT championship, and he may have just killed Johnny Gargano. Samoa Joe's obviously not very happy about this. He put his hand up for the winner and they threw it back down. He was like, You just did that too aggressive. They started bickering again. Joe turned his back on Karrion Cross, which is something you just do not do. And then he got lots in the cross jacket and just choked out and put to sleep. And it seems like Karrion Cross chose violence. He wants to invite the chaos of Samoa Joe onto him. So whatever comes next, my friend, you get what you get. I'm Nick Friedman. Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out